It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 708 at News Talk WSB, 66 degrees outside still. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape, in your garden, with your lawn. Indoor pests are my purview as well. All you have to do is give us a call, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. If you're on Twitter, you can hashtag a question with Ask Walter. Hashtag Ask Walter on Twitter, and Ashley will look through the Twitter questions and read a couple of those during the morning as well. My guest this morning, Lance Walheim from... Are you going to be Bayer Advanced or Bio Advanced? We're going to be Bio Advanced now. Bio Advanced. The big blue bottle. You know, the big blue bottle you get for the garden centers that has used to be the Bayer Advanced logo on it. Now it is Bio Advanced. They've changed over. Why are we changing over, Lance? Well, uh, about 18 months ago, we were bought by a company called SBM Life Sciences, which mm-hmm. is a company from France, which specializes in Europe in um, organic uh, yeah. soil amendments and pest control products. So we're excited about that. So we're going away from the name Bayer. Um, it's going to be the same blue bottle, like you said, same red shield, same great ingredients, and same great results. Um, you're just going to see a gradual name chain on the bottles. Most of the bottles out there and products are still yeah. bare advanced, but as we come with some newer products, you'll start seeing the, the bio advanced. Bio, B-I-O, bio advanced. That's right. All right. We'll understand that then. Lance, if you don't mind, let's go to the phones. We've got people who have been waiting for a good while. We'll get them to them right now. Kim is in Marietta and joins us. Hey, Kim. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hi. How can we help, Kim? Well, I my lawn is being taken over by weeds, and ever since we bought the house, I have been diligent at putting pre-emergent out twice a year, once the beginning of March, once the beginning of September. I put it out as instructed, one bag per 5,000 square feet, and I really am not seeing any results. I mean, the weeds just continue to, to sprout. Yeah. How's the how's centipede? How are you maintaining it? How are you fertilizing? What's your... I'm, I'm fertilizing usually. I haven't done it yet, but usually I do it um, right about this time every year. Yeah. You know what I would change? And this is this is strictly going way off the ranch right now. This is getting way out in the left field. My feeling is that centipede grass spreads by stolen. So little you know stems that go across the ground root down. You know what centipede grass does as it, as mm-hmm. it grows. I wonder if your centipede has been a little bit weakened and made unable to make those root down stolen creeping uh, path across the ground because of the pre-emergent. And I know oh. that's not what it says on the pre-emergent bag. I know the label <laughs> says can be used on most all grasses, da-da-da-da-da. But there's something in my head that says, I think sometimes that pre-emergence and centipede grass are not the right mix. I think sometimes the pre-emergent hinders the centipede from rooting down. And then if the okay. centipede doesn't root, then it doesn't compete with the weeds very well. The pre-emergent should have taken care of most of the weeds anyway. So I would say, try this, Kim. Fertilize now. You're perfect with that. Fertilize the centipede now. It's nice and greened up, so it's a perfect time to do it. Maybe one more time. Make sure you're how, how high are you mowing, Kim? That's another question for you. Uh, we keep it. We keep it fairly high, about three inches. Go low. Go lower than that. Go down lower to about that. two. Yeah. Okay. 
assuming hopefully you don't have too many ruts and divots and things in the no. lawn. But if you get it down to around two, you get more weed control just by mowing. Okay. And the centipede loves being two inches. Two inches is great for centipede grass to grow. And let's cut out the pre-emergent in the winter, but work on just increasing the fertility and the health of the centipede. Let it do some of the weed control all by itself. Okay. Would it help that I try I try a different brand of pre-emergent? I'd have to go study my labels to see which one I think is most <laughs> and least likely to be the one. Read okay. the labels and just see. But okay. I sort of think we need to hold out a pre-emergent. Does Bayer or Bio, excuse me, Lance, does Bio or Bayer have a pre-emergent product? Um, we do. Um, what I would agree with you to make sure that we've got all the cultural pr practices correct. Yeah. Um, uh, but also... I would try to maybe identify some of the weeds because it could be she has some perennial weeds that are not going to be controlled by the pre-emergent. Right. Um, Bear Advance does, or BioAdvance does have a a, um, a product that ha that not only kills keys, kills weeds on contact, but will also um, has a pre-emergent in it, and it's designed for southern lawns. So. Okay. Um, okay, I know I do have some perennial, but I also have some other things that are just continuing to sprout. I mean, for instance, right. I have. Pine, little pine trees just growing up all, all over my yard. So, There are different pre-emergents in different products, so, you, I mean, that could be an mm -hmm. option as well. But, uh, you know, if you go to Pikes, I'm sure they can help you find the right one. But, you know, you always have to be careful when you're using stuff over and over again with yeah. pre-emergents. They can have an effect on the growth of the plants, but, it, you know, I, you're only fertilizing once a year or... Yeah, it's just once. I think I twice might, yeah. would be okay. Yeah. Since he doesn't okay. like a lot of fertilizer, but twice would be within reason, I think. And okay. Not, and not too late. Okay. Uh, when's the best time to do the second one? June, July, sometime in there. Water it in real good. It was, you know, it gets dry in July and doesn't rain all that often. But if you can find a day when Kirk says it's about to rain tomorrow, mm -hmm. rain for a couple of days, that's the day to put the fertilizer out in July. Okay. So twi fertilize twice and no pre-emergent in the fall. That's what I think you ought to try, Kim. Oh, well, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for calling. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Judy in Kansas. Someone's chewing on her boxwood. Say, Judy, good morning. Hello. Hello. Well, yes, we have a gorgeous little boxwood in a container, and I have no idea what it could be. In a container, I would think it would be a bowl if it was. Sure. So is it chewing on the stem or chewing on the leaves? The stem. The stems are falling off. And Diane, of course. Ah, this is where I like to have guests because I look at my friend Lance Walheim and say, what do you think, Lance? Yeah, and he looks confused out towards the window and say, what did you say, Walter? I don't know. <laughs> what would be chewing the twigs off of a boxwood? And It's early for the, for the hornets and wasps to be out there chewing the bark to make their nest, it seems to me. A little bit yeah. early for that. And So you're actually seeing the bark chewed off the, the stems, and then that's killing the... You no, know, the stem is... Like it's like okay, you're looking at your boxwood, and then you see it's turning yellow. Like what in the world? So you go and you touch it, and it falls off in your hand. It's li literally disconnected from the the bush. Now we're not having any problems with the boxwood blight, are we? Here, no, we've we have boxwood blight sometimes, but it doesn't. It's it doesn't a twig, do that. just the leaves. Yeah, it defoliate. Yeah, the leaves. You know, it's just turns. And the leaves are beautiful. They've got new growth and everything. And it's it's just that one plant. Do you have other ones too, or? Well, this one's in the container by itself. I have them just periodically in my garden, so <clears throat> it's just this one so far. And there's a lot of flies around it. Do you think it'd be boxwood uh, miner, leaf miner? It, 
It but that wouldn't be. cause the stems to drop off. I mean, it cause no. the leaves to be malformed. But see, what you're listening to right now, Judy, is two guys looking at each other saying, <laughs> I'm not sure what this is exactly, yeah, but we're going to explore a little bit here. That's why we're not on TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I also would recommend that you really take a good look at it, you know, a couple times of the day, maybe even go out at night and with a flashlight and just see if you see anything. Um, it could be that the pest is gone. Uh, we don't know. Um, yeah. I'm afraid if I dig too deep, I'm not trying to vomit and it'll scare me. <laughs> now, you do, have drainage, you do have drainage in that pot, right? I do. The pot, the plant itself is gorgeous. Okay. Okay. It's mm-hmm. just something is invading it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's here's why you listen to us and not to maybe somebody from, well, I'm not going to say from a garden center, but somebody else who might over the fence tell you to go oh, spray it with insecticide, Judy, that's what you need, spray the insecticide. We don't know what it is. And until Lance and I are assured that we know what it is, we're not going to recommend to use a pesticide. Right. So that's why we think you need to find the pest first, then we'll decide what's the right way to treat it. Could it be a squirrel or a chipmunk? Would they do something like that? <laughs> uh, not likely. I mean, yeah, squirrels do sometimes. They nip off the buds and maple trees and poplars. Yeah, and but not the stem, right? Not the stem. I mean, they nip off little... How long are the stems that are nipped off, Judy? Um, well, it goes all the way to the inside of the bush, and they go from the, the main... Connect, you know, not, I can't say trunk uh, the to trunk the bush, also. but, you know, it's the limb that comes out with all the little leaves on it. All right, we're going to set you with the homework to go out and look tonight, look during the day, look in the morning and see if you see anything out there. Yeah, there's no critters in there. Come on, possum maybe, but that's all. Yeah, they're not going to bother me. They're not going to bother you at all. So uh, go out with a flashlight. I think Lance has good good advice. Try looking around and see if we can find out what it is that could be in there. And the flies, do you know what boxwood leaf miner looks like, Judy? Do I know what it was? The damage of boxwood leaf miner? No. It makes the leaves sort of turn puffy and have bronze, yellow color to it. Mm-hmm. It's just a good, maybe use a coloration on the leaves. And if you want to look online, of course, there's plenty of pictures online for boxwood leaf miner. And just see, when you said flies, it made me think, maybe there's some boxwood leaf miner in here, too, and somehow they're okay. associated. But I want you to make sure you you don't okay. have leaf miner before we go much further with trying to figure out what's on your, what's on okay. your bushes. All right, I'll do that. And one question, why don't they sell Sure Start anymore at Pikes? Because they changed over their brand uh, that they use fertilizer now. I think the Dr. Earth has a starter fertilizer, and okay. there's two or three products that Dr. Earth has that we didn't have with the uh, EB Stone. Oh, okay, because I always buy it, but I bought the Earth. The new one, and I don't know if it's any good, but I guess what it is. Dr. Earth is a very good product. Dr. Earth is great. Dr. Earth. Okay. Thanks, Walter, for your help. And I'll go with my flashlight tonight. All right. We'll see you soon. It's 7-18. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Mustang Sally Update brought to you by Ackerman Security. If Mustang Sally's out today, she's going to be hot. 
High temperature today, 90 degrees, low overnight, 66. And tomorrow, the same thing if she wants to go out again. High of 90 degrees, low of 66. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My guest this morning, Lance Walheim from Bayer Advanced or now Bio Advanced, answering your questions about anything you care to go with. In just a minute, we're going to talk to Lance about the best way to make limoncello. He is a master limoncello maker. Right now, Judy's on the line from Snellville. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Hi, Walter. Hi. I need to know, how close can I put mulch up next to a house? That's always a good question because if you have a lot of clay next to the house, there's a splash up on the siding, it looks sort of ugly. But the experts tell me it should be no closer than 12 inches, and they prefer 16 inches to the, to the siding of the house because you don't want any way for a termite to bridge over any protection that you have. It might be a little different if you use the bait station, Centricon, and other brand name stations because there you don't have the continuous barrier. You just have the stations that attract the termites, and they put the bait and the poison in that. But if you've got the barrier around the house, I think 12 to 16 inches is what the experts tell me. Okay, could I put rubber mulch next to the house then? What do you think, uh, Lance? I mean, even rubber mulch gives away for the termites to sort of cover, go over and get in. And Yeah, I think for just safety purposes, I'd, I'd keep the mulch away from what they recommend. I'd keep yeah. it away from the side. I mean... Okay, even the rubber. Even, even the rubber. Anything that would allow a termite to get over the bridge, over the uh, termiticide that's been applied to the soil, that's not what you want. You want to clear clean path the only way they can get to the house is going through insecticide in the soil okay well that'd be a lot cheaper than buying it then <laughs> i guess so <laughs> okay thanks a lot well thanks for calling judy 404-872-0750 is the number on lawn and garden by the way if you go to my website one of the great things you get on the website is the ability to subscribe to our new brand new but absolutely free email newsletter every other thursday it comes out and we have always great questions, great answers, pictures of things you need to know in your garden. This last one with a little guide to how to nominate a champion tree. If you have a great big tree in your backyard, how do you know if it's a champion? I got all the details in the newsletter from last week. Next week will be something else. We'll see what that happens to be when it comes out. Subscribe at WalterReeves.com. It's 728. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 66 degrees still outside. A number on Lawn and Garden, 404-872-0750. My guest this morning, Lance Walheim from Bayer Advanced, soon to be Bio Advanced. Pesticides, the big blue bottle, same thing, same ingredients, anything in there. But the name has changed to Bio Advanced, not Bayer Advanced anymore. But besides being a representative for the Bayer Bio folks, Lance is an accomplished citrus grower and knows all there is to know about making limoncello and went to Italy last year just to see what limoncello was made from tell me what you found Lance well it was a couple of years ago and and we got um, we used to get a lot of questions about you know which lemon should I make 
limoncello with. And right. so a lot of people thought it was the Meyer lemon, which I've always grown. Sure. And But we decided we wanted to find out, so we went over to the Sorrento coast um, and um, went to the limoncello makers and, and saw what they actually did. And uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful experience. You've got the old ladies bringing the lemons down <laughs> on the baskets on the top of their head. And, right. and you know, I found out a lot of things. And um, one of them that was really interesting was that over there, they use whole grain alcohol, right. organic whole grain alcohol, and they um, they only soak the lemon rinds for about four hours. Um, I used to soak mine for weeks and weeks and weeks. I know, I, I know. And they still get the good color and the flavor that they want. And the other thing that they do is they use lemons, which we call are in the silver stage, which is when they're just turning from green to yellow. Right. Um, and so a really high-quality limoncello, because that's when the oils are really at the highest. Okay. And so you, a really high-quality limoncello will sometimes have a green color to it, and it's because of that. Um so um, I, it, funny thing, I mean, you can get a, uh, I used to have a um, Citrus website, and the story's not up there, but I also got contacted by a writer from the L.A. Times who was doing a lot of research and also was finding out some stuff. And if you Google um, L.A. Times and Limoncello, you can get that story. Mm-hmm. And he has recipes that he decided were the best ones, too. So, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit, it was a surprise that, that four hours they could get that. Um, yeah. But it might be the, from the strength of the alcohol, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Is it a particular species of citrus they use to make limoncello? Well, it's definitely a lemon. Um, what we found out over there that a lot of the trees are, are 100 years old, so sure. they, they can't always trace them back. But the most common lemon that they grow over there is called Feminello Santa Teresa. And we did plant some of those. And it's it's very similar to supermarket lemons. Are, there's two varieties, Eureka and Lisbon. The Eureka is grown on the coast of California where it can be harvested as many as five times a year. The mm-hmm. Lisbon tends to be grown in the warmer inland areas. Um, they're very similar. You probably couldn't tell them apart, but they think that Feminello is is like a Lisbon, could be a Lisbon uh-huh. lemon. It's a beautiful lemon. It's almost always seedless, um, and uh, so it's just big and really nice oil. So they, they peel, they take the exterior skin of the lemon and put that in the alcohol for four hours. Right. Add sugar to it. Right. And there you go. And sell it to the tourists. Yeah, so yeah, we came. I mean, it's amazing all the different cellos they make over there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I saw a display of orange cello and limoncello and all of those things at one of the shops that we passed by. I myself, of course, got the true stuff. The limoncello, a little green tinge to it, uh-huh. in my freezer right now. Good. If you came to my house, I'd leave us some limoncello lamps. Uh, I'll be there. Well, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, good I know. Stuff. There's nothing better than a you know a little aperitif with some limoncello after a good dinner. I, I love it. 404 is the number that Mark dialed us a few minutes ago, and Mark is in Ackworth, and here he is on the air. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? You're doing all right. What's up? Hey, I got uh, zicada killer bugs in the flower beds. Tried to kill them with ammonia uh, a year ago, and it killed the bushes. Hmm. And so we're thinking about just digging up the dirt about a, you know six, ten inches down, and then replacing the dirt to try to get rid of them. Is that the right way? Yeah, but why do you want to kill cicada killer wasps? I mean, they're not that aggressive. They're actually out in front of my mother's house, and they scare her. That's good enough reason for me. (laughs) Mother's Day is coming. You don't want to to have a scared mother, not at all. Um, (laughs) But ammonia, that wasn't the greatest greatest ideas to use of our pesticide either. Hmm. So, I mean, Lance, any... 
insecticide is going to kill cicada killer wasps. They're just a rare hymenoptera. They're going to kill about anything we got, right? Yeah, that's right. There are some wasps killers, some products out there that are you know specific for wasps. But you know you got to find a product that has wasp on the label, or you're yeah. you're not using the product properly. But you're right. There, yeah, but the big problem is getting down into the holes where they are because you got to find those holes. So that that's the real difficult part, seems to be. I don't know. I see the, the holes, to me, are pretty easy to, to spot. You're sure that's what you have, is cicada killer wasp, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And how big of an area is it? Oh, about uh, 6 by 12. Well, there are insecticides that are designed as soil drenches. So, and the ones that are based in water, the ones you mix with water, be the ones that be safe for the shrubs, wouldn't kill the shrubs like the ammonia did. So, not the ones that have petroleum base to the aerosols. A lot of them have petroleum bases, and so that would brown up and kill the foliage that you get it onto. But the water-based insecticides, as a drench, I would put a half a pint in each hole and call it a day. It seems to me it would kill them just fine. Okay. Well, you still right. got to follow we'll the label instructions. Yeah, follow the label instructions, and you know, using a funnel and a tube is not—I don't think—illegal to do. But try to put it right in the mouth of the hole, covered up with dirt, and hopefully that population anyway will be under control. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks a lot, Walter. Mark, thanks so much for calling. We'll see you soon. Bye. We got Chris on the line out in Covington. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How you doing? Doing all right. What's going on? Well, me and my wife just bought a house in November, and, uh, you know, all the foliage is dead and grass is dead. And now it's spring. It's starting to come back. And uh, we tried planting some bulb plants out in the garden in front of the garage. Yeah. And they only lasted about a week. Hmm. Uh, and now the front of my house looks dead again, except for all the weeds. And yeah. uh, the only thing that's popped up is something that we did not plant. And uh, it's a large uh, uh, cabbage-like plant without the head. That's uh, about a foot tall, about a foot and a half in diameter, and uh, it's got large, light green, veiny leaves, and I'm not sure what to do with that. Is it going to bloom at some point, or is that something I need to pull and just try again? I'm sure it's going to bloom because every plant wants to flower, whether it's a weed or a flower that we would say is ornamental, it's going to bloom sometime. The question is, what does he have? Lance it's, Walheim. It, you say it looks like a, it's a cabbage-like plant. What do you mean by that? It, 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 it's got large leaves. Uh, they're light green, like a, like cabbage-colored. Are they fuzzy uh, at all, Chris? Hairy, uh, no, fuzzy? I don't believe so. I haven't, uh, haven't really gone up and messed with them too much. I was just curious to see what they were going to do. But, uh, I think you need to send a picture to Walter's yeah, website. Yeah, I know what it is. Uh, the reason I asked about yeah. fuzzy is there's a weed called mullein, M-U-L-L-E-I-N, mm -hmm. mullein. It has very, very fuzzy leaves. You would have said that immediately if that's what you had. And right now it's only about 6 to 12 inches tall, but soon it'll be 5 or 6 feet tall. It has a real yellow spike blue at the top of it, and uh, pretty common to see around, but that's not what you have. The other plant that gets pretty tall, but not quite, doesn't say as small as you're talking about, is wild lettuce. I see wild lettuce right now that's easily 3 feet high. It's going, going to town, going to be 5 feet tall next week. But that still doesn't tell us what you have. And that'll have a yellow flower too, yeah, right? Yeah, sure will. I guess I'll have to send you a picture. Send us a picture. Uh, That's right. Uh, We'd like to see. Many times we can tell what you have just by having seen it ourselves running around. But I haven't seen anything that looked cabbage-like with leaves like you described, Chris. So until we know what it is, it's hard to say what you ought to do about it. it and sounds what it like is. Uh, Jip, would you have any suggestions, since now I've got to replant all the plants, do you have any suggestions <laughs> for uh, something that will make my house look alive again? Uh, 
uh, as far as the flowers or something yeah. like that. What about through the summer? Do you have shrubbery out there or anything, Chris? I have nothing out there. We tore up everything because it all was just overgrown with weeds, and we're trying to uh, start fresh. So right now we've got black mulch down, and uh, uh, yeah, the last fall is right the, up against the house. Not very pretty, is it? Hmm. <clears throat> Rather than go through another 10 minutes of telling you how to design the landscape, let me refer you to the what, is it, what do I call it? The, the list. I have a list page. Actually, it's the best way to show it is a list page. And on WalterReeves.com, on my website, if you look at one of the tabs that says landscape plants, it has lists of landscape plants. That's what you want. And that's got a lot of flowering annuals for Georgia, flowering bulbs for Georgia, flowering perennials for Georgia. There's just a lot of these lists of plants. And looking through it, that has color pictures, too. You might find something there. Or honestly, run into a pike, Chris. I mean, come on. If you're going into town and go to a pike nursery, they've got all these plants blooming at the same time in the nursery. If you go on a day when not everybody's running around like their head's cut off on a Saturday, but on a Tuesday or some morning when not many people are there, many times, take a picture of your own landscape, run into a pike, and say, can you give me some three best plants to put right here? And get one of the professionals at pike to give you an idea of what to plant. Yeah, and take your time and All right. draw some plans out. That'll, yeah. That's a good idea. If you have a piece of paper, just draw it, sort of sketch out what your house and the garage and the carport and the driveway, where they're located, what direction the house faces. Mm -hmm. That's all really somebody that has a little bit of skill in design. That's all they need. Which way does the house face? How high are the windows off the ground? Which yeah. direction does the driveway go around the front of the house or the back of the house? Things like that. And the designer can say, yeah, you need this, this, this. I put a roll of this in front of it. End of story. I didn't know they had uh, folks there that could help me uh, oh, yeah. out of the garden. Oh, yeah. The great thing about Pike, too, they've got a, a professional landscape design group. And so they not only can do just the sort of back of the envelope designs, but the Pike landscape group, Pike design group, can do a great job doing a full-blown full home landscape. Landscape architects can do all the things you need to know to have a really magnificent landscape. They do a great job. That's fantastic. That's good to know. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate your time. All right, Chris. Thanks for calling. 7.46. I think we can get Jeff in here. Jeff in Lilburn, Georgia. Join us, Jeff. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. I have a wish list for a hedge. Yeah. I'm looking for something. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be something like a hedge, a nicely cropped hedge you would see in an English estate, something uh, that you can trim very closely and shape very nicely. Um, I'm looking to grow it about six feet high. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for something that's fairly fast growing if possible it takes full sun um i'd like to be able to while i'm going to grow it six feet i'd like to be able to trim it so that it's not six feet wide yeah um so looking for a recommendation on um that, that kind of hedge over in england now, the, of course the, they, the, they use they use u in england y-e-w-u and you doesn't go all that well in Georgia, so I don't recommend it for anybody's hedges here. Here, you use holly sometimes uh, for six feet wide, six feet high. Hmm, some of the bigger hollies. Burford is a possibility there, Lance. What are some other nice green? And I'm hoping not to have the type of holly that has the sharp pointed. Ooh, stickers. So you don't want Burford then, because that's what it's got. Big stickers all over the leaves. You don't need that at all. How about, how do uh, some of the um, uh, the fruit trees, the flowering fruit trees, the Carolina cherries and any of those evergreen yeah, cherries? Maybe cherry laurel is a possibility. You know, the bright and tight cherry laurel can be sheared to whatever shape and size you like. 
Some of the bigger loropedalums, the purple leaf loropedalum, or the, even the green leaf one that has the pretty white flowers on it. I might give you the same place that I gave Chris just a minute ago, Jeff. Go to my website, just type the word list, I think, in the search line, and it'll take you to that page. It has all those lists of plants. All the, and the other word that I'll use is screening, because what you want is something a little bit taller than um, a lot of small plants. And so look for the screening page. It gives you all the plants that I think do well for screening, because that's what you're going to use that six-foot-high hedge for, sounds to me like. Yes, yes. And what web page was that on? WalterReeves.com. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Easy to remember. Uh, one recommendation is Holly Compacta. What do you think of that? I don't know if it will get that tall. Okay. How tall would Compacta Holly get, Lance? I see them four or five. Yeah, maybe. that's what I was going to think. Yeah, if that. Yeah, so maybe not compacted. But again, if you go to my website, type lists or screening, one or the other, both of them will take you to a place where you see a lot of good suggestions, I think, for what you need. Thanks for calling, Jeff. we got to get out of here. It's 748. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Most of the same thing today as tomorrow. Today, the high of 90 degrees, overnight low at 66. And tomorrow, high of 90 degrees, overnight low 66. Once again, your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. During the break, I got a text from my friend Shannon Pable, shannonpable.com, by the way. She is a great garden designer and said, hey, dummy. She didn't say that exactly, Lance. She said, hey, you know, a camellia would be really nice. Sanko camellia could be perfectly fit what the guy wanted to do, a hedge. He could prune it. It gets above six feet tall. He had flowers with glossy green leaves. Perfect advice for the guy who wanted a six-foot-high hedge. It would do great, I think, in his in his landscape. You'd have to time that time that pruning, though, right, so you wouldn't be cutting off the flowers. Yeah, just do it right after the flowers. It would be great. Right. Great yeah. idea. I mean, beautiful foliage. Those Sasanko yeah. camellias are yeah, versatile. So, Lance, during the break, you were talking to me briefly about the Natria line of... Uh, products that the BioAdvance is going to have, the big holding company is going to have. So tell me more about Natria-type products. Well, our, the Natria line is our natural or organic line, um, you know, that ha and we've had that for many years, and we're excited because our new partnership with SBM, we got access to a lot mm -hmm. of new things. I mean, there's a lot of new exciting stuff going out there in the naturals line, and so... Uh, I think that's going to be great, but the you know we have um, the neem oil, we have yeah. insecticidal soap, we have combinations of sulfur and pyrethrins, um, and we've got a you know one of the ones I really like is the disease control, which is actually a bacillus subtilis, sense, right. yeah, and um, you know that's great for you know if you can get ahead of it on with the roses and help you with on the vegetables. So yeah, that's a, it's an exciting line. I was really pleased when I went to Pike the other, the other day to see their bacillus subtilis product that they have there as well. I can't remember the brand name was the Nature or who's somebody else. But mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, it, it's available a couple different... I'm, I'm trying to think of the other name. You can, would got that, cal that, that catalog. It's, not it's something else. But anyway, you go to Pike Nursery, you find many of these products and get advice as how to use them as well. It's 758 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. <laughs> 